And now I invite you, uh, wherever you are worshiping with us today and here in our sanctuary, to stand for our gospel this morning, which comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, beginning at verse 26. Jesus said, Fear no one, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted, so do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Let me begin by asking some rhetorical questions. What made Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, oppose the Nazi regime even as he faced the gallows? Or what made Joan of Arc, standing trial, facing certain death, nevertheless say, I would rather die than sin against my Lord. What made Martin Luther King Jr. on the eve of his assassination say, we as a people will get to the promised land. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. I would suggest it's the very words of our Lord this morning who says we should not fear those who can kill the body but rather we should fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Pretty sobering words, uh, especially for Father's Day. Um, In the context, though, I think this is important. In the very context where we're picking up, Jesus is just about to send his disciples on their preaching mission. And right before our lesson picks up, he, he tells his disciples, he says, I'm getting ready to send you out like sheep among wolves, You know, this is a world that you're going to encounter, and it is going to be hostile to the truths of the gospel, and they're going to oppose you at every turn. It's going to be very difficult. But then our Lord begins to say more or less in our lesson today, but there are some things that are more important than even bodily life. And that's the proclamation of the truth of Christ. It's the lordship of Jesus. It's the faithfulness to the gospel. All those are chief. Nevertheless, the Lord says, we should not fear those who can kill the body. Instead, Jesus begins instructing his followers that they should order their lives around a different kind of fear. So at first, Jesus says, don't fear. And then he says, fear. So you have to hold both of these in tension uh, today. 
Uh, nevertheless, it's a, it's a good time since the Lord brings it up to talk a little bit about fear. You know, there are those who have said, I've heard this before, that, uh, that fear should have absolutely no place in the Christian life, that it's a sin, that if you have any kind of fear in your life. Actually, no, I, I will disagree with that. Uh, fear, rightly understood, fear is an emotional response. It's like sadness, it's like anger, and as an emotion, God created it. Therefore, fear is a good thing. God has wired us to experience fear. So God made us uh, to do this. Fear, if you really think about it, fear has its origin in love. So when you love your family, for instance, you rightly fear losing them to something because you love them. This is why a parent, for instance, uh, prevents a child from going into danger. That's, that's the good exercise of fear. So fear, rightly understood, actually can demonstrate that life, your life, my life, the lives of others, these are gifts from God. God has created life itself and it's, it should be treasured. It should be protected. It is actually a sin to have no fear, to be fearless. Why? Well, if you're fearless, that means you're going to be reckless. And if you're reckless, you will just throw away life. You know, you will not treat the, the good gift of life that God has given us. You'll just, you know, exploit it or just abandon it altogether. We will disregard the gifts of others. Okay, so fearlessness, we don't want to do that. Fear is a good thing. But then the opposite extreme is just as bad. So fear, like the emotion of anger, if we don't check it, it will master us. It will dominate us, and when it masters us, it leads to all kinds of phobias, and all kinds of hysterias, all kinds of irrational fears, and on and on and on. So we want to avoid fearlessness, but yet we also want to avoid fearfulness. And I would submit, this should not be hard to agree with, I would submit that uh, it's fearfulness and avoiding it that is the great challenge for us as Christians, for our society as a whole. I've said this before, other researchers has, have said this before, but you know, you and I, we actually live in the safest time in human history. There's never been a safer time in which to live than now. And yet nobody believes that. And the reason nobody believes that is because, one reason among a thousand reasons, is because we live in a time right now where, you know, like every, every fender bender on the highway, every car accident, every product recall, every little tremor of an earthquake, even if it's in a village of Madagascar, every little incident of crime, all of these things just come filtered right into our little screens on our phones or on our TV, and it gives us the feeling that there's this fuse sticking out of planet Earth, and that fuse is lit, and any moment now it's going to go boom. And we think that the world is just going to just dissolve, and we're fearful over, over. What has this done to us? What has this hyper-fearfulness done to us? It has, it has made us seek security and safety as the ultimate goods of life. 
And when we are dominated and when our lives are ordered by the pursuit of security and safety above all else, what will it do to us? Well, it will make us think that uh, we've got to get out of this life alive. And then it's going to make us uh, lose all of our trust in God. And then it will actually erode our responsibility to love others and to take the risks in loving God and neighbors. We don't really think about this, but it's actually a risk to love as God calls us. It's what it'll do to us when we seek security above all things. I've said this to other people before. And I don't mean to sound like a, you know, Debbie Downer. I'll get to the good news. But I've said to other people, you know, that security and safety, these are good things. But security and safety are not fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's like when you go to Galatians chapter 5, Paul lists the fruits of the Holy Spirit. He does not say the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, safety, security. No, he doesn't say that. We as Christian people, we should not be seeking safety as the ultimate concern of our lives. And the reason for this is because as Christian people, we're not supposed to fear things like death. That should not dominate us at all. I mean, we as Christians, right, this is, this is, this is the gospel. We, we believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead. We don't need to be ordered by those who can kill the body or, or things in this reality that can kill the body because I mean, ultimately, what's the good news, everybody? The good news is that on the day of your death, if you and I have cooperated with the grace of the Lord and we have tried to please the Lord and remain faithful to Him, the day of your death, the day of my death, you know what that will be? That will be the most glorious day of our existence. That's the good news. And so death is nothing to fear, ultimately. So what about this COVID-19, this, this time of coronavirus? Should we fear it? Yes, if we fear it rightly. If we fear it to the extent that we take the necessary precautions in the interest of the love for our own lives and for the interest of the love of our neighbors, especially the most vulnerable of our neighbors. I mean, right now you're watching this by live stream. We have not gathered indoor yet. I'm looking forward to that day whenever it's going to be. But the reason we have not done this yet is because we want to love especially our most vulnerable neighbors. We don't want to be reckless. See, when you're reckless, or you begin to think that you're invulnerable, well, see, that's actually a sin. We don't want to be reckless. But should we fear this virus to the extent that it dominates us, drives us to seek security above all else, which then makes us actually fear our neighbor or to feel threatened by our neighbor and, and to lose our trust in God? No. See, that's the challenge. Because as Christian people, death is not the worst thing that can happen to us. Christ has been raised from the dead. The promise of eternal life is, is ours. So we as Christians, we should not be ordered by the fear of death. What Jesus goes on to say is that what should order us is another kind of fear. And that is the fear of the Lord. You know, the scriptures over and over say, talk about this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. 
You know, the wise in this life, the wise are those who can see long-term. They think long-term. They don't just focus on the now, but, you know, 10 years, uh, 20 years from now. The wise in the Bible are those who think really long-term. They are thinking eternally. Now, the fear of the Lord, you see, we can misunderstand that. We think this, this can mean like, oh, oh, I'm to be terrified of, of God. I'm, I'm to fear, you know, the Lord's punishments. And, but even that doesn't make sense. I mean, Jesus goes on. Look in the lesson. He goes on to say that we should fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. But then he says, but remember, you are more valuable than any sparrow. And the Lord cares for you. The Lord loves you. Got to hold that intention. So what's the right fear of the Lord? The right fear of the Lord is what I'm going to call a devotional fear. A devotional fear. A devotional fear of the Lord is something like this. It is a fear that is afraid of doing anything that will grieve the heart of God. That fears to do anything in disobedience to God. You know, you think about the people in your own life, people you love. You know, or, or a newborn in your life. You know, there's a part where you, you begin to, you're afraid you're going to hurt that person. You're, you're afraid you're going to do anything against that person. That's the right and proper fear of the Lord, you see. The right fear of the Lord is a, is a fear that says, Lord, I, I love you so much. You are so good to me. You have done so much for me. I don't want to do anything to grieve your heart. I don't want to do anything in disobedience to you because I love you so much. I'm so devoted to you. See the difference? That was the fear of the Lord, everybody, that made Martin Luther King Jr. do what he did, even at the risk of his life. He was so, near the end of his life, so devoted, so in love with God and what God had called of him that he was afraid to disobey the Lord, even if it was going to cost him his life. He was so in love with him. That's what Jesus is saying. Fear God. Be in love with God. Be afraid to do anything against God. And you won't be afraid of anything else. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with the Lord. You are more valuable than any sparrow. He's going to watch after you. He's going to care for you. Don't afraid, be afraid of what can happen to you in this life. Instead, rest yourself for the grace and the mercy of your Lord. Because even if death comes to you in this life, your death will only be met with new life. Thanks be to God.